How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome into another episode of Suncast. I'm your host, Reagan Harrell, as always, and we have got a very special guest right here. So we've talked about expansion. We've talked about getting guys and girls from other parts of the Sun Conference, South and North. This is Manny Burroughs, broadcaster for St. Thomas. Manny, so happy to have you join the Suncast family, my guy. I'm so excited to be a part of the family. Uh, it's been a week in the making for us getting this meeting. So I'm glad we finally got here. Yeah, absolutely, man. So we talked about, uh, we talked about before we record, before we hopped on to record the two teams we, we were going to talk about, well, I guess before we get into that, let's, let's tell the people a little bit about, about you uh, But before. So you're the broadcaster for St. Thomas and you play basketball there, right? Correct. So I'm uh, finishing up my third year here at St. Thomas. I started being a part of the broadcast last spring producing games, camera work, stuff like that. And I was hearing the announcers at the time, Gio and Jordan, and I just loved it. Like it was a lot of it was, ba was basketball and I just was really enjoying it and seeing how it was going. And uh, Michelle Murch, who's our S SID down here, she, I kept, you can ask her, I was, I was begging her. I was annoying her all year, really telling her, can I please get on the mic? Can I please get on the mic? <laughs> and lo and behold, which I know is something we're going to talk about later on in the episode, softball was actually the first team that I broadcasted. And so kind of hold a little special place in my heart. You know, I'm glad to see us doing so well in softball, you know, receiving votes, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it, it's been a heck of a ride and I enjoy it. And I'm looking forward to finishing off. And, and you know, it's just a new passion that I felt. And I'm, and I'm glad that it's here at St. Thomas. Absolutely, man. Uh, so I guess we can go ahead and talk about the team. You, you just talked about a team that has really piqued my interest in the Sun Conference and on NAISB. I talked about them on the uh, recording last night with Taylor for the softball podcast. And this is a totally different St. Thomas Bobcat softball team from, I guess we could even look from when you got there three years ago to now. Coach Gutierrez has completely turned the program around. It's I mean, it's a team coming in that I had at bottom, middle of the pack, maybe can make the Sun Conference tournament, probably won't make much noise. That's certainly not the case. Power ranking-wise, I think they're the third-best team in the conference right now uh, behind the two ranked teams in Southeastern and Coastal Georgia. And they just took, uh, at the beginning of the year, my World Series pick, the Southeastern Fire, all they could handle. I mean, obviously the two senior Pitchers are leading the way, but what's it been like? Uh, you know, you, you've seen it more than any of us. I and mean, what's it been like with St. Thomas softball this year? It's been great to watch. Um, you know, they started out the season, had a couple quick road game, uh, quick home games, and then they went out on the road and they did very well. I mean, they started off the season 13 and 0, was the best starting program history. And I was loving all of it. And then, like you said, you know, Fast forward to this past weekend against the fire. You know, I wasn't able to be on the call side, but I was keeping in touch. And when I saw that we got that second game under our belt, I was ecstatic. I was ecstatic. Um, the biggest takeaway I, I gotta have, I gotta say, is there's been a little bit of a few extra inning games. It's funny enough, the fire was one of those games. Mm -hmm. And the team's response has been very, very impressive to me. Um, I'll even take you back to the Thomas series. They got uh they were able to put up a run in the first game and then turn it around and that second game anything but was completely different and that has been the thing the biggest takeaway you know I know you had a, a head coach Gutierrez on early in the season he kept kind of harping on it's the players it's the players it's the players and it's really a, that's what it is it's a full team effort and it's just been awesome to see and I'm glad they're receiving votes 
And I think I think the sky's the limit for sure when it comes to softball here at St. Thomas. Yeah, I mean, we look at St. Thomas over the last five years. I mean, all their programs have developed or been built uh, in the last five years. Look at football. They're now a nationally ranked powerhouse, uh, especially here in the Sun Conference. And softball certainly on that way. You know, it's a, they went a route that not many people do. Uh, I mean, going and getting Coach Gutierrez, I mean, straight from the baseball team. I mean, he was a part of the coaching staff when they went up to Lewiston in 2019. That was before you got there, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that was before before then, but still, I mean, he was a part part of that group. Has been a part of the winning uh, culture that Coach Jorge Perez has built there for St. Thomas baseball, and he's brought that over to St. Thomas softball. And in a year where, as a whole, softball in the Sun Conference is down, at least compared to last year. I don't think it's crazy to say St. Thomas could easily make this tournament and and tournament. Uh, baseball and softball, anything could happen. So last year, I mean, the way it's most likely going to go now, things could could fall off the rails or some teams could accelerate, who knows. But, I mean, right now I think St. Thomas softball will finish the year as a three seed. And look at Weber. Weber last year went into the conference tournament as a three seed, rode the strong arm of Kayla Swenson. And I don't think it's crazy to say Abigail Smith so far – has been the most impressive pitcher in the conference. She's eight and two with a 0.65 ERA. Now she hasn't faced some of the lineups like Claire Seckinger and Autumn Hunter over at Southeastern or Haley Dickerson or Bryce Peacock up at Coastal Georgia at face, but she still faced good lineups. And hey, you can only you can only do what you got. If the St. Thomas lineup picks it up, I, I, right now I think the gap between them and the two top dogs, Coastal and Southeastern, is already reaching distance i mean we saw it. they beat southeastern and played them extremely close in one game they got the best southeastern got the best of them for sure in, in the third game but still they're right there and i don't think I'm, I'm really interested to see here in a couple uh i think it's i'm not exactly sure i don't have, have my have the schedule in front of me but here soon coastal georgia is going to be playing st thomas and it just would not just wouldn't shock me to see st thomas win that series and that would be the series that i'm going to look at to really gauge St. Thomas softball and be like, okay, is this a team that could go to an opening round and give some trouble? Or they're a team that's going to go to an opening round and things don't go their way where I think they are right now. They'd probably be a three seed entering opening round play somewhere, which we've seen three seeds in baseball and softball all the time go, go and win. And my biggest thing is if, the pitching continues to develop and they and they can get that their second arm uh to be able to do what Abigail Smith is doing i mean i don't think it's crazy to say st thomas could find themselves in columbus the way this year is with nai softball and the pure parity where anybody is beating anybody in the top 25 and they're knocking on the door of it and i think it could just end up being a perfect storm for st thomas if they get clicking at the end of the year it wouldn't surprise me at all to see them make a run and I have to agree with you. I mean, I have the – to help you out, I do have the schedule right here in front of me. They play Coastal on April the 20th, uh, April 14th, so a few days away. But even before that, you know, we have Weber coming up on the weekend of the 7th and before that, Warner this weekend. So a lot of good Sun Conference series to get ready for Coastal because, like I said, I'm pretty close with some of the softball staff. The players, you know, actually I know Abigail Smith personally, um, and I'm glad and I'm happy for her, the success that she's had throughout this season. And I know that a lot of them, 
really had this past weekend against Southeastern Circle. Like they definitely wanted to make a statement. And for sure, the statement was made. Of course, you yeah. wanted to win the series, but to get that one win and the way you did it, you know, I talked to, I believe it was a back and forth game all the way going into extra innings before Fiat was able to get the uh, RBI walk off. And I'm just, I really think that you said the way things are going right now, you know, the standings right now, they're tied with Ave, who I know we're going to get into later on in the, in the broadcast for baseball. They're tied right now for second at five and four. Coastal's got five and one. And again, Southeastern sitting at top with eight and one. It definitely does feel like South St. Thomas is going to ride a wave. And I always say on the broadcast, com- confidence is a very big motivator. And I think that if you have confidence and you're playing your best ball at the right time, you start playing a little out of character, but you still start doing just believing. And when you believe in something, man, you you don't have no idea what you can do. The sky is the limit oh, for yeah. sure. And right yeah, now, softball is really. You just gotta have a little energy, get a little juice. Yeah, up, exactly. Get the you got a little bounce, a little bounce to you. When you get that little bounce, and you feel like you're just on a different role, the mentality is there, that the team is there. It's just it's, it's awesome. It's awesome to watch, and I'm excited to watch the rest of this softball season for sure. Absolutely. Now we do have to pivot and talk about a team that has, quite frankly, not met expectations at St. Thomas, and that's the Bobcats baseball team. Look, I had them coming in. I thought they were right up there with Weber with arguably the second best team in the Sun Conference. Now I knew Ave Maria was going to give teams trouble. I thought Ave Maria would win the series. I thought they would take two or three and three close games this weekend. That was my prediction. That wasn't the case. It was nonstop beatdown for the majority of for the leagues the last two games. Ave dominated St. Thomas. Is this more Ave Maria? This is the best team they've had. They've really, they really want to beat their rival, St. Thomas, and they gave it all they got at, at their home, and St. Thomas got caught lacking a little bit or is there is it time to start being a little bit concerned about St. Thomas baseball right now so you know originally we obviously planned for this to be a preview and I definitely so I planned for it I did some research on it and I know we talked about both teams having a little bit of a pitching it pitching depth problem at times yep and then we flipped it over and did the recap and I watched those three games like you said, those last two really just surprised me. Like, like I was gonna, I was gonna say, like on our preview that we were planning, I think I had Ave winning it in a two-one. I think I was gonna go that route as hard as it was gonna be for me to say that, but I didn't think that three-zero. Even after the first game, you know, six to five. All right, that's that's understandable. Yeah. You know, you kind of give the edge to the home team. Like you said, you know, the new kids on the block. When you just, you know, new kids on the block, you're hungry. I think it's really hard. I'm a believer that it's harder to stay at the top than it is to get at the top because you have, you have that motivation. And right now, Ave has that motivation that last year when we played, Tanner Kelly really surprised me. Continue yeah. that streak. This series was amazing. I want to give Ave props. Like, I really want to say that it is because this is probably the best team they've had in a while. You know, they're receiving votes right now. Yeah. I think they're going to be in the top 25, come out next polls. Sadly, yeah. as much as I hate to say it, I think the Bobcats <laughs> are going to fall out of the top 25. Maybe they'll be receiving votes, but, I mean, they've been going in the wrong direction. You know, they started eight in uh, preseason, went down to 13, now at 18. The trend is just not the way we want to go, but I think more of it is Ave. You know, I know they had 15 RBIs in that second game. They have a new school record now for stolen bases in game number two. They had 13 
I feel like every other moment that I was listening to the broadcast, it was just another stolen base, another stolen base, double stolen bases that time. And I think Avi was just on a different level that I do think the Bobcats, while they were prepared for it, I don't think they were really ready for what Ave had to come. And now I think it's on ST Bobcats to respond. You know, they have a game tonight against Palm Beach Atlantic. I really hope that's going to come out and they're going to understand what is going on here. I don't want to say that, that what happened this past weekend was a carryover after Thomas came into Paul Domini Marini Field and got one that I think some people might have been a little surprised about, especially after the way game one went where it was 22 to three. And I'm thinking, OK, Bobcats going to handle their business. Thomas, and again, like I said earlier, Thomas had confidence. When they had confidence, they were definitely just on another planet. They were definitely on another planet, and the Bobcatchers weren't ready for that. So I think STU Bobcats, they definitely have to find that juice. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because they've had some success. I know there's there's been a little bit of a maybe a hangover. I know we've lost some key players, but we've also brought in some key players. It's it's really baffling. It really, really is. And I'm not going to say like I've known STU baseball forever. I know the history. I know the the legacy that they have had at this school. But I am very confused. And I hope that this weekend, I want to say it should be a bounce back. It should be a 3-0 in favor of the Bobcats. But the way we're playing right now, I, I really don't know. I really don't know. Yeah, and you look up. Well, first off, the point I, I wanted to uh, I want to talk about because that's something I, I didn't look at when I was is I was on the call for the Weber Kaiser games during the Ave St. Thomas games, and something I did not know about was that those thirteen stolen bases. I mean, that stems from I and mean, look who was the catcher for St. Thomas for previous years, Andrew Fernandez, Gold Glove catcher, uh, the best at throwing out runners in the conference in his time. And we see that that's now become a hole in Miami Gardens for the Bobcats. And you look up, St. Thomas is two and four in conference play, and they still have Weber. They still have Southeastern. They still have Kaiser. They still have Warner, who just gave Southeast. Now they got swept by Southeastern, but those at least two of the games were very competitive. Uh, and the other game was seven to nothing. But, I mean, still in playing Southeastern for Warner, it, well, that wasn't terrible. But anyways – St. Thomas now has no time to relax. They have to win this series this weekend against Weber. And that's not an easy task. The way Weber's playing now, the pitching for the Warriors has been spotty of late, uh, especially this past weekend against Kaiser. The command was not good. I mean, they we walked, I think, 25 guys over three games. Now, that's something that Weber is going to have to improve upon in a huge top 20 matchup this weekend with St. Thomas and Weber. Uh, Manny, how do you think the Bobcats are going to respond when the sixth-ranked team in the country comes rolling down to Miami Gardens this weekend? I remember, you know, a few weeks back where Weber and Southeastern were going at it, and it took Southeastern's best to, for them to come out victorious in that series. And I'm going to keep harping on it. The way you're playing is a big indicator of how things are going to go. Today, against Palm Beach Atlantic, I need to see a Bobcat win to have better confidence going into the weekend. Because if we look at the rec the schedule right now, they're on a four-game losing streak. They lost to Barry last Tuesday, last week. They then go into Ave, lose all three games. The second game was a mercy rule. Like that was a very surprising fact for me when I when I realized that. So if we on let's say we lose today, I think it makes the I already think that the pressure is there for the Bobcats when it comes to playing the, the Warriors. If they're going in on a losing streak that's stretching over a week long, then 
I'm going to be very, very concerned because I even saw a little bit of frustration, you know, against Barry last week. I didn't see too much of it against Abe, which was, I don't know if you want to say good or bad, because in a situation like that, you want to see, if you're going to go down, you want to go down and swing. And I don't think the Bobcats, especially in those last two games, were going out with fire. Like they had it, like they took it personally. I know that first game, again, back and forth, it could have gone either way. I think that the Bobcats, especially after the way they started the season, you know, they had that big win against Lewis and Clark. Um, that was number two in the nation at the time. I thought, all right, we're going on the up trend. It's going to be amazing. We're going to be talking about this team for the rest of the season. Now, like you said, the conference standings in the good. We got the bulk of the Sun Conference coming through the next few weeks. And if the Bobcats don't figure it out as soon as possible, I do believe we're going to be maybe having a serious, serious talk about where they are come at the end of the postseason. Because I think Weber is only going to get better. I think Southeastern got number one in the nation for a reason, and they do not look like they're slowing down at all. I'm going to be on that call when we come, when that comes, when they come down here into Miami Gardens. And I was excited for that because I thought, like, oh my God, this is the one. Like, this is this is the first year that I'm really even invested in the STU baseball. And so I was excited for that one. And I still am because I'm hoping that the Bobcats are going to figure it out. I think Manager Perez will figure it out. I think this team will figure it out because sometimes I think it's safe to say this is a rock bottom for the Bobcats. I really do think it's safe to say that. And you can only go up from there. So with that mentality, you take it one game at a time, something I know manager press has harped on to the guys for every single game, no matter what, because it is easy to look ahead like, oh, my God, we got Weber coming up. We got Southeastern coming up. We got Kaiser coming up. It's definitely easy for that to kind of build up for you and the players to kind of get in their heads about it a little bit. But I do believe in this Bobcat team. I do think that if they do lose this series, whether it's by two by two one against the Warriors or in a sweep, as long as they are competitive games, as long as it takes the Warriors' best punch, I think you can come out with it, okay, we're taking a step in the right direction. You're not going to fix it all in one day. You're not going to make the home run play in one moment. But if you continue to build towards that, which is what the Bobcats program has kind of been built on. You know, every team, I talked about it a couple of weeks ago on the broadcast, this year it's been a buildup. You know, I know basketball, Sweet 16 in the NIA tournament, women's team, big Big season, you know, Coach Walker had another, had their her hundredth win of the season, her hundredth win of her career. Um, they were number two in the in the conference. It's volleyball, back to back regular season champions. This time they finished it off with the Sun Conference title. So it's been a buildup. And I think the Bobcats for baseball just have to take that same mentality. Build it up little by little. You're still SU Bobcat. You're still the baseball team of a program that's been very well known for the past few years. So you're gonna get the benefit of the doubt. But at some point, we're going to have to start saying, OK, that benefit of the doubt, that patience is running thin and we got to start making a push here, whether that's a lineup change, whether that's a different or whatever it is. We have to try and make that push, because, again, if you're going to go down, it's understandable. Everybody has a bad year. Everybody has a bad game. It, it's normal. But as long as you go down swinging, as long as you go down saying we put our best foot forward, which I don't think the podcast, especially in those last two games, against Albany, I don't think they really did by their standards, by Bobcat standards. I don't think it was their best push forward if they do that i think they will write the ship i think they will get things back on track and maybe it won't be the bobcast of the past but i think for sure if they're able to do that the program will benefit for it moving forward and i think that is a good at the end of the day that's definitely the biggest thing you always want to keep moving forward you don't want to stay stagnant you don't want to move backwards because that's when things start to spiral and you gotta hit the reset button yeah, I think there's too much veteran leadership like Joey Thompson and Chris Scholler to have this thing completely burned down, even if things go bad for St. Thomas this weekend. 
I, I have Weber taking two or three. Uh, I do think I think it's really hard to go and get a sweep uh, anywhere on the road in this conference. Uh, I do think Weber just purely has th this is no dub. I mean, the pitching is so much better at, uh, for 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 Weber than at St. Thomas right now, and that's not just me being a Weber guy. It's me being more surprised at what the lack of pitching is at St. Thomas this year. And you mentioned earlier the East-West Challenge when they beat Lewis Clark. And I remember that, and I was like, okay, they're going to be okay. It looks like they have a couple of arms, but those arms just haven't developed. And we saw also in East-West they got killed by Vanguard. Um, and then they played some other teams that were like Benny Mesa, Arizona Christian, good teams but not Weber, Southeastern, not Sun Conference. I mean, Sun Conference baseball is just a little bit different of a breed. And the way Sun Conference baseball is, if you're St. Thomas, you can't – you have to sweep Thomas, and you need it – take getting swept by Ave is unacceptable by St. Thomas Bobcat baseball standards. And that's what happened. And I don't see a path for them being a top three seed in the conference tournament. Um, I think they still make it. Um, I, I, I still think that they'll, they'll be in, in uh, the, the conference tournament. I don't think we've quite gotten to that panic level yet. However, if they get swept by Weber, that kind of puts it up where like, hey, we cannot get swept again. And then we have to win the rest of these series because then it could get to be a little bit panic mode because Flomo, Flomo's always scrappy. They always seem like they take one from Sun Conference teams. Kaiser's going to – Kaiser started to come around. Look, I've harped on Kaiser a lot uh, the, the, these past couple months because they are the most frustrating team that I cover in the Sun Conference, Kaiser baseball. Why? They have great pitching. They have, in my opinion, top 10, top 15 lineup in the NAI, but they're averaging over two errors a game. And that's why they're currently sitting at, I think, 19 and 12. And for Kaiser, they have to go on a big run here in conference play and probably win the conference tournament to even make an opening round. And it ain't easy for them. They just lost two or three against Weber. They dropped uh, one to Warner. They still got to play St. Thomas and, excuse me, Southeastern. But we'll get more into Kaiser at a later date. But, Manny, uh, we do have to, I do have to – get rolling. We have to get into this interview that uh, I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of people up in Marietta, Georgia, they have turned tuned in to see, but uh, Hey, you got anything else you, you want to add on or anything you want to say, say to the people, let it out, my man. No, I'm uh, just, thank you for having me on. I look forward to the next one. Um, and just, I'm um, thank you. Thank you. That's really all I can say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and by the way, uh, guys, Manny, great broadcaster. Go listen to him on on Saint on Saint Thomas's broad, broadcast. I, I'm really excited. Uh, M Manny, along with Brian Kelly, uh, who did great work for us uh, with the with the Instagram work down at Ave Maria. Manny and Brian, they are they're our new new two guys uh, going and covering our South Florida teams uh, better than I'm able to to do up here in Lake Wells. Uh, Manny, you'll probably be like we we've talked. You'll probably do more like uh on the podcast and, and talk, talking and stuff because you're a broadcaster. Kind of hard for you to go and film while also broadcasting the game. 
but we'll we'll talk more more about that. But uh, I thought this went well. I think the people w- will enjoy it. Uh, you were very well spoken. So I was really excited about that. I was a little nervous when we came on that you might you might uh you might be nervous, but you weren't. Um, and if you were, you didn't show. Yeah, I mean, I won't lie. I was a little nervous for sure. For sure, I was a little nervous. You know, it's, we all- I'm in the presence of greatness. So I'm, I mean, if, oh. how, how you not gonna be nervous? How you not gonna be nervous? <laughs> Oh, Lord, you're making me blush, man. And good Lord. All right. <laughs> well, I appreciate you, my man. Um, <laughs> folks, uh, our Life University running Eagles women's across fans. The interview is here. Long time coming. Actually, the first life interview. Um, no, a lot of their sports aren't in the Sun Conference. Women's across is. So not going to make y'all wait any longer. Going to kick it over to myself and head coach for Life Women's Across, Emily Cabrera and Maria Arvizua. Okay, we welcome on two very special guests. It's the head coach of Life University Women's Across, Coach Emily Cabrera and Maria Arvizu. I said that right? Yes. Okay. yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, really appreciate y'all coming on. About time we, we had uh, somebody from Life University on Suncast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, coach, uh, we get started with you. Um, you, you went from a GA pursuing your master's to head coach of Life University Women's Across very quickly. You know, as a young head coach, I mean, how – big and how helpful has it been having you know person sitting right there next to you a veteran like Maria on the team it's been great I mean Maria deciding to use her fifth year this season has definitely helped you know when it comes to leadership because this is her second season of being a captain and you know leadership on the field um she is our main midfielder sometimes main draw taker depending on the game um but I mean she definitely brings the hustle and, you know, the integrity out of all the girls and, you know, really sets the standard of leaving it all out on the field, whether it's practice, games, lift, you know, she's always given 100%. Absolutely. I mean, what you got to have from your leader doing everything right on, on the field uh, while playing practice, warm-ups, weight room, everything. You know, Maria, you, you've been there since the beginning of life. Women's across, you're there, the, you're there with the inaugural team. You know, what's the process been there? I mean, being there since day one and help building the culture of life women's across. Um, it's really been an honor, to be honest. Um, it's obviously, uh, when we started off, it was a big group of just freshmen. And we didn't really have like upperclassmen kind of lead the way. So um, we kind of came together as a team to kind of set the foundation for like what we wanted this team to represent. And because it wasn't only just like us, as the women's lacrosse team, but also the school and our coach. And so, yeah, that, that was a huge adjustment, but um, it's been pretty, pretty cool to kind of set that foundation. And now being able to be a captain for the team and like kind of set the, not the guidelines, but like lead the the way. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been pretty cool. <laughs> I bet. I mean, Coach, uh, I mean, you, you had to come kind of set the culture that had already been there at life and you know, shape it your own way as a head coach. So, I mean, my question for you is, you know, what is the cult- culture of a Coach Cabrera team? Um, I mean, to be completely honest with you, I think I'm still trying to figure that out to, like, uh-huh. fully develop my own culture. Um, but, you know, since I've been here, you know, only one – I missed one season, you know, out of – all the seasons that life has had a program. Um, so coming in in 2019, I've really been able to adapt and see why the team was originally founded on four pillars. And the four pillars are loyalty, respect, commitment, and pride. You know, those are just attributes that you need to have within yourself. You need to show to teammates, uh, professors, 
athletic administration, other coaches, and, you know, other competitors. But I think, you know, this season, we're really turning those four words to mean something a lot realer than, you know, just words that we might have on a practice t-shirt or words that we, you know, write down in our, in our binders and things like that. Um, but we're definitely molding, you know, somewhat of a new culture, but definitely not leaving behind any of the true foundation that the team has already set. Yeah, I'm sure Coach Ferguson, uh, when she brought you in, she she helped you with uh, and instill that mindset. And then you built onto that. I mean, how big was Coach Ferguson? I mean, just teaching you to how to, I guess, coaching you how to be a coach. Yeah, it was honestly great. I mean, learning from another young head coach um, was probably the best opportunity that I had. Um, you know, she was hired on, I think, at the age of 23 or 24. Mm -hmm. So. So, you know, fast forwarding to now, I'm a young head coach at the age of 26. So learning from her and being able to see, you know, how she deals with conflict, how she deals with other people, you know, how she has those hard conversations with the girls and, you know, just everything in the realm of of coaching on and off the field. It was great to have her, you know, as a mentor and just learning by her side by side. Yeah, I mean, look now, and now you're the mentor for a lot of young student athletes like like Maria. There, uh, Maria, um, you know, so something we we talked about, and something that I, I admire you so much for. Uh, you're a mother. Um, uh, you know, you, early on in your college career, uh, you, you had the birth of your daughter, and you not only stayed in school, but you stayed with the team. And I'm I'm sure your teammates uh, at the time and now they've become like family uh, to you and, and your daughter as well. I mean, could you just tell us? I mean, how did you manage the schedule of being a mom and a full time? college student athlete <laughs> well um, <laughs> it's definitely a huge adjustment at the beginning um but I I wouldn't be here where I'm at without my entire team and my coach um yeah. they're literally like Ari's second mother <laughs> <laughs> um so whenever like uh something um like work or classes like my teammates always like hey we got her go worry about school and I'm like okay yes yes ma'am so it's really nice like having that support and it's yeah I wouldn't be here without them so that's incredible I mean it speaks to what life lacrosse is I mean a, a young team uh early on was dealt with something like that and they came together for you. I mean, it really is a awesome, uh, beautiful thing. And hey, I mean, I'm sure uh, R is the number one life women's across fan, right? Yeah, that my teammates as well, like adjusting to that too. And like being able to step up for not only like me, but the entire team. It's yeah, it's been pretty cool. And then like, it's kind of cheesy to say, but um, it takes a village to raise a child in this kind of little <laughs> village. Yeah. The village of life, the life running eagles. I mean, it's awesome. I mean, I, I just can't get over. It. I think I think it's such a great story. Um, but you know, Co coach, your senior year, uh, you actually played against life. Uh, you were once a Cumberland Patriot, great NAI institution. Um, did you think at the time, uh, you know, Life University, seeing the way that it was run, uh, you know, just from an opponent side, would that be somewhere? Uh, that you would be interested in getting a GA or going to get your master's at life when you were playing at Cumberland's? 
Yeah. Well, when I when we first came here, um, it was later in the regular season, and I just really enjoyed, you know, the the vibe that the campus had itself, and you know, the energy that I was kind of receiving from the team. And being a part of NAI lacrosse since 2015, I've seen a lot of new programs come and go. I've seen a lot of, you know, power programs kind of fall off and you know rebuild. And there was just something different about this program when I was, you know, scouting them with my team and playing against them and seeing them go into the conference tournament as a first year program, you know, it was just something different about them. And I just knew that like I could definitely bring a good amount of knowledge and, you know, my own energy into this program and, and help it become, you know, one of the top NAIA institutions for women's lacrosse. Yeah. Something you, you talked about it actually segues into my next question perfectly i mean you you talked about programs that kind of come and go and but with, with the expansion of women's across i mean from from what you've seen you saw life was a building program while you were at cumberland's where you were a part of a building program as well and all these other ones like uh in the sun conference st thomas warner first season weber's a young team kaiser's uh come up over the last few years as one of the top institutions i mean for and this question is for both of you because when we start with you with the expansion of women's across at the Sun Conference and at the NAI level, I mean, what does it mean to to you or to y'all seeing the sport that you grew up playing or or now playing is now gaining so much popularity? I think it's awesome. I mean, the growth that the NAI has seen, you know, since I started playing in 2015 to now coaching you know, starting coaching in 2019, it's been incredible. You know, I've seen so many teams come up and really build their program and set a foundation. And, you know, some really catch, you know, the the world, NAI world by storm, you know, coming in hot and, you know, first year programs aren't what they used to be when I was playing against, you know, first year programs as, you know, a young program as well. And I just think, you know, the, the growth is going to lead to, you know, unlimited possibilities when it comes to different competition, building schedules, and, you know, the, the growth of, you know, maybe not, not just a top 10, but maybe we can finally have a top 25 list like the rest of the programs within the NAIA. And it's just, you know, just going to open a world of possibilities for young girls as well that want to chase those dreams and play their favorite sport at the next level because options are slim sometimes for girls if they get into the game late or if their academics aren't too good. But, you know, it's it's just the way that, you know, things are going now. Things are growing and, and you know, blooming. And it's it's just going to be awesome, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Mar Maria, how about you? Um, basically, everything you just said. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she she did good. Coach nailed that one on the head, right? Yep. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> absolutely. But, um, you know, Maria, uh, 2021, you know, just, just talking with coach and looking at, at your numbers uh, since you got there, 2021 kind of seemed like that year where it really started clicking for you as a midfielder for, for Life University. You know, what, what were some of the big adjustments that you made or just one, one of the big adjustments that really helped you start to understand uh, women's lacrosse a little bit better? Um. So basically when I came back, COVID happened and then I kind of like me messed everything up. So like, I think it was more of a, like get more of a excitement and being ready to like, just take on the season and like a constant of like me working on and off the field is what really helped me adjust to like lacrosse IQ and always constantly working my butt off. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that's all it is. You just got uh, knowledge of the game and then putting in a little, little extra work, and boom, there it is. You know, Coach, Coach something I love asking uh, newer head coaches, what was your message to the team? Like, you first take over, you've been in the program, so they knew you. So it wasn't like, okay, we got to learn this, this new coach all over again. Was your message just pretty like, hey, we're going to keep doing what we're doing? Or just I mean, what was your message to, to the girls when you took over? My initial message, because we did um, have a Zoom meeting over the summer, and then when we were all back on campus in October, we had a formal team meeting. Um, my initial message over the summer was, you know, I'm still the same coach cab that I was when I was an assistant and a GA, but, you know, now we're just going to turn things up a little bit. You know, me coming from myself, taking the reins on the coaching, and, you know, the girls just, you know, realizing that I'm going to help them become that championship team that, that they've always wanted to become. Cause you know, as a player, I was a part of, you know, that championship culture, that championship mindset. And I think now I can really share, you know, the knowledge with the girls and, you know, not only coach them through lacrosse, but teach them lacrosse as well. You know, you, you said you came from that kind of championship culture and this is a sun cast covering the sun conference, but a school that I have a ton of respect for uh, in the NAI for how their athletics perform and you know how, how they present themselves are is Cumberland's University on your your alma mater. They they do things jam up great job and do great in the mid south. I mean, what, how big was that for you? Um, I know this wasn't original one of the questions, but I, I, I have to ask. But yeah. uh, with, with you uh, being a Cumberland Patriot for so many years. I mean, how big was that in, in, in installing that mindset, that championship mindset? I mean, it it definitely, you know, woke me up as a freshman, even though there was only nine of us on the team my freshman year. But, you know, head coach Kelly Buke is still there today, did a great job of, you know, really just leading the way for us and showing us that, like, we can do this regardless of numbers, regardless of, you know, how young or old the program is and the support from the university itself, you know, even outside of athletics was amazing. I mean, we had fans everywhere you know English class accounting you know the the dining hall it was it was great it was great being a part of that and you know just the older that we got you know that first class was able to really set the precedent of you know we're out here we want to be the best we're going to work the hardest to be the best you know in season off season and you know Kelly Bucus really just was a great you know mentor in that asset because she wanted us to win and you know she really pulled some stuff out of us that I don't think any of us really thought that we had initially going into college athletics. And so I kind of took, you know, her spin on things and made it my own. And I'm trying to help, you know, some of these girls really reach their, you know, maximum potential on the field and off the field as well, whether it's in the classroom or in real life. Absolutely. That's incredible. Now, I heard something. I'm not sure if this is true, but I heard that Cumberland's has the most varsity sports of any program in the NAI. Is that true or is that something you don't know? I believe it to be true because my last year there, we started a uh, they started an e-games team right. like uh, the gaming e stuff. Yeah, esports or whatever. Um, and you know that team or that university also has archery, which is not very popular either. So yeah. I know that those two are definitely standouts when it comes to university varsity teams. And I mean, I believe it that they have the most because it's it's crazy. The athletic department there is huge, and the yeah. support there is huge. And you know, it's very similar to how life is. You know, we might be a smaller university, a smaller athletic department, 
But, you know, walking through the hallways, seeing other coaches, like they all know, you know, my athletes, I know all their athletes and, you know, their support comes in, you know, every single form, whether it's social media, you know, coming to the games, having their kids come out to the games. And, you know, some of them, some of them just really support us and, you know, the, the trials and tribulations that we've been going through. And it's, it's incredible. You know, you really just feel the love here from everyone, especially professors. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. You know, that last thing you, you said, the professors, you, you at some schools, athletes, professors, I mean, they go, they go together like oil and water, you know, it just yeah. that doesn't work out. So it's good, good to hear in life that, that's not not the case. Uh, Maria, uh, and for Co- Coach, I'll, I'll ask you uh, something similar too. I'm not exactly – I don't exactly have an IQ off the charts uh, with lacrosse. I mean, my I know football, I know baseball, softball. I mean, y- y'all can see the, the Georgia football and the Atlanta Braves. So, I mean, I, I, those are sports I know. Now, I've watched lacrosse broadcasts a few lacrosse games. But I was wondering, Maria, could you tell us, you know, something as a, a midfielder that the average lacrosse fan or, or guy, guy like me just may not pick up on? What, what are, like, some little things that you watch for and you're responsible for during games? Um. A con a lot of trying to set my team my teammates up um and I feel like is sometimes hard uh, hard to notice sometimes for fans and um always like but I I everybody makes mistakes and I understand um I make mistakes myself and I'm constantly trying to like if I mess up during a game I'm like trying to make up for it I'm like constantly busting my but I'll to like, all right, let's get the ball back. I turn if I turn it the ball over, I'm like, all right, let's let's go. <laughs> yeah, the transition. I mean, I think that's something w- with lacrosse. Now people realize, oh, it's all just all down on one side. That's all down. No, there's a lot of back and forth in between. I mean, hey, there's a reason I became a punter and I was a goalkeeper in soccer. <laughs> uh, that running stuff, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good on that. I'd be out of breath. I could if I if I played if I did play lacrosse that was available in South Georgia. I decided to play it. Coach, I would have been with you. I would have been in between the sticks, 100%. Yep. I'm not doing that run. <laughs> but, uh, Coach, as a former goalie, you know, what, what are some of the responsibilities you had? I, I'm I wanting to see your answer. I want to see if they're similar to some of the hidden responsibilities that I had as a soccer goalkeeper growing up. Um, I think the main thing was really just being the voice. You know, you have a different view on the field. You have a different view on the ball, you know, and you have to make sure that your defense knows that because – a majority of the time their back could be turned to the ball or their head could, you know, completely be turned to the ball and they have no idea what's going on. So I think the main responsibility I had in cage was making sure that my teammates knew exactly what was going on either behind their backs or sometimes right in front of their face if they weren't seeing it right. Yeah. And it's the exact same, you know, when I, in high school, when I was a goalkeeper, the whole game may have been played on that side of the field 75% of the time, but the entire time I'm, yelling at the defense hey we got shipped left watch runner going down the right wing then i mean same with go hey goalkeepers we're we're the brain right we're the brain in the eyes we uh uh, that's what we got to do we got to make sure everything's set up where sport sport it's in uh maria uh you've played just about every game in life women's across history Uh, i'm sure a couple of them really stick out and what's one or two of your favorite games uh wearing the running eagles uniform well, one that really sticks out the most is um, back 2021 when we made it to nationals and we had no subs, nothing. <laughs> and uh, we beat Reinhardt. I forgot what the score was, but I think it was like 12 to 11. It was it was a really it, but, close game. It yeah. was like by one or two. It was a nail biter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that was really something that sticks out the most. Um, It was just crazy that uh, 
a team with no subs was capable of, you know, doing that. Yeah, we just talked about all, all the running, and it's like, girls, doesn't really matter if you get tired. You're just going to have to tough it out. Not out of, oh, my gosh, no, no. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to stick to playing the football. I, I, I'm good with that. Maybe every now and then give give a, give a little bit, bit of a run, maybe go tackle somebody, maybe. Hopefully the punt's good enough. I I'm, I think I'm good, good with uh, the amount of conditioning I have to do for uh, punting the football. I'm good on that. But, uh, uh, ladies, this has been great. I have one last question uh, for both of you. Coach, we can start with you. Uh, y'all certainly both made life university y'all's home. Um, uh, Maria, you, you've been there since the beginning. Coach Cab, you, you've now been there for uh, this is year four, correct? Uh, yes. At year four, you're the head coach. Y'all, are, y'all have y'all bleed green, uh, just like me, a little bit different shade of green, but y'all still bleed. Green. <laughs> but um, you know, what is it about life university that that's uh, kept y'all there, Maria, for your entire college career? And uh, coach, like we talked about earlier, you getting there. I mean, what is it about life university that makes it so great? Um, it's definitely has to be partially the support and then partially just the atmosphere of the university. Mm-hmm. I mean, I transitioning from assistant coach to head coach, you know, all the coaches here have helped me in, you know, different ways, whether it's me watching how they run things or just having small conversations with them or just asking them a question that I might not know the answer to. Um, and then, you know, the, the, atmosphere of the campus itself I mean it's beautiful in the spring it's beautiful in the fall and you know it it might be a little small but at the same time it's got so much character so much heart and it's it's a nice escape from you know the busy Marietta streets and you know being so close to Atlanta you would never think it you know we we're we're sandwiched by two really really major streets and once you enter campus it's like life university bubble almost (laughs) it's not a bubble because you know there's so much going on it's very lively you know except for this week because we're on spring break but I mean it's just the atmosphere and the support alone are definitely the main two things that have driven me to you know stay here and want to continue my coaching career here yeah other than you know the team itself they're they're awesome can't complain about them <laughs> absolutely hey straight up i'm so jealous that y'all get get to live in marriott i mean you, you, you see it's opening day for mlb baseball the braves are playing and i'm i'm down here here in, in Florida. but hey it, it is what it is maria well i mean you you're you are miss miss life university uh especially for w- women's across yeah you spent your entire college career you you grown so much there I and mean, what is it about life university that's so special to you um the diversity there's yeah. all kinds of people here so it's really nice to kind of like feel like I fit in yeah. somewhere as a Hispanic so yeah. that's really nice and just like Cap said the atmosphere it's I love it it's beautiful like you can literally walk down the um hallway and like see a stranger and they'll be like hi good morning it's really nice Especially like if you're having a rough day and like you just need that quick like, hey, like or a wave. It's really nice. A little pick me up. Real nice. Yeah. And everything just being so close by too. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Well, Maria, Coach Cab, thank you so, so much uh, for coming on. This is great. Uh, next year uh, when y'all come down to play Weber, uh, definitely going to make sure I stop, say, hey, hopefully I'll be, I'll be able to be on the call for it. But again, thank you so much uh, for coming on. Thank, Thank you. you. Absolutely. If y'all have any, anything else, Mike's all yours. Uh, if not, uh, I'm out of questions.
Um, I mean, I don't think we have anything else to say other than, you know, thank you to you and, and the Suncast. And I don't know if you have a staff, but if you don't, I'm thoroughly impressed. And if you do, I'm still thoroughly impressed. Um, just <laughs> sure. thank you for, you know, shedding light on NAI and, you know, women's lacrosse, especially because we are, you know, still a growing sport, yeah. you know, even though if, even if we are, you know, the fastest growing sport across the States, you know, it's still really nice to have someone that's as dedicated as you are to, you know, kind of spread, you know, the love and the, the wealth of, of women's lacrosse and how much it means to, you know, the, the small groups on campus that have teams. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, we, we here for the sun conference. Uh, yeah. I, um, it, like on the podcast and that, that, uh, it's me, I do have, uh, Joe helps out with the graphics, Josh, who does, uh, who helps out uh, in the fall with covering Sunday conference football, because I don't do the whole cover football and play football thing. I uh, have a couple other people that we've had on Brian and Manny down South, uh, trying to expand and get out to the schools uh, that aren't in my kind of hub, the Southeastern uh, Weber Warner here in Polk County and trying to get up North where SCAD life and down South uh, in coastal Georgia and, uh, for the time being Thomas and Georgia and then down South with our uh, Southern family we're we're growing. Um, uh, we're having a lot of fun doing it, of course. And hey, go Sun Conference, right? Yeah, yeah. go Sun Conference, baby. <laughs> Thank you. Of course, we appreciate y'all.